welcome. I'm Fiona Hitchener and I am the Strategic Partnerships Director of Education Provider Parents at Work. I'm really delighted to have join me today's podcast, Yasmin London. Yasmin is Executive Director of YSAFE, who are social media and cyber safety experts. We've developed today's podcast to coincide with Safer Internet Day on February the 11th to raise awareness and hopefully inspire some conversation about online safety with parents and children. Yasmin has a really interesting background and story of how she became involved in cyber safety and I'll let her share that but just to give you a little bit of an insight into her experience she did spend over 13 years in the New South Wales police force eight of those as a specialist youth liaison officer she then founded YSAFE with her partners to help raise awareness and provide education on cyber safety We've actually been partnering with Yasmin and YSAFE um, more recently to deliver in-house workshops for organisations that want to support their parents and really help them understand what it means to be a parent in the digital age. So welcome, Yasmin, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we go on to some specific questions, um, I just wanted you to tell us a bit, a bit about yourself and how you got involved in cyber safety, because I know you've got a, quite an interesting story here. Yeah, look, there was a couple of different things that happened to me, uh, mainly when I was a police officer. So around sort of 2012, 2013, uh, I worked as a youth liaison officer in uh, the eastern suburbs of Sydney. And uh, I suppose the first real introduction to the power of the internet and young people was a a suicide negotiation that I was involved in, uh, in involving a young 14-year-old girl and some cyberbullying uh, that happened to her on Instagram. And, you know, it was one of those real watershed moments when I was talking to her about what had happened where I, full, I, I suppose I fully understood at that point uh, that online actions truly do have offline consequences. So, you know, that was a real uh, awakening for me. And uh, around that same time, I actually had a, a video of myself uh, dancing with a gentleman in Martin Place in the city. I was in police uniform. I had this video that went viral. So <laughs> I was uh, I was down there at a community engagement event. You know, I, I thought I was going to, you know, engage the community really well when I had a bit of a dance off with this guy. <laughs> and uh, that interaction was filmed by a tourist and uploaded to YouTube. And, you know, 6.6 million views later, uh, you know, I was labelled the dancing cop. So <laughs> I suppose, you know, those those two experiences really helped me understand, you know, this area that at that point in time I didn't know a whole lot about and it really encouraged me to learn more about it so that I could help uh, young people and their parents and the schools that, that, that are dealing with this sort of stuff as much as I possibly could. Great. And it really is interesting when you sort of talk about the online actions have offline consequences because that's, you know, something I think that many of us who have not been brought up with um, technology and social media, uh, you know, are still not quite, still haven't really got our, our heads around. And even when you're talking about then Instagram, you know, it was through an incident on Instagram, which you think is fairly harmless um, mm. type of social media um, that, you know, it can have such devastating consequences. Yeah. Um, 
As I mentioned, it's obviously it's Safer Internet Awareness Day on February the 11th, and the theme is Together for a Better Internet. So really keen to get your thoughts on what this you feel this means for parents mm-hmm. and workplaces and what we can be doing as parents and in organisations to help create a better internet. Yeah, look, I, I really love the, the I suppose, idea that the byline for, for Internet Safety Awareness Day this year because it really is all of our responsibilities to create a safer environment, not just for our kids but also for ourselves online. It's no one person's responsibility or one group's responsibility. Uh, we all need to pay attention to how we can equip ourselves with skills and knowledge to manage what happens in the online environment in a positive way for us. So what that means for parents is, you know, at at a really sort of base level is starting to understand what's happening online and why our kids are actually so invested and interested in what's happening there. It's also about making sure that we're really positive role models so that we can help them develop healthy habits. You know, I always sort of say you can't be what you can't see. And, you know, we really need to sort of keep that in in the back of our minds when it comes to, you know, showcasing positive behaviours for our kids and how how, how they should behave online, um, you know, they can learn, but they learn best from what they see in front of them. Uh, when it comes to a workplace, you know, this is why YSAFE got into workplace education sessions because this was such a water cooler conversation topic for their employees, not just the, not even just the ones that were parents as well, people that were aunts and friends and everybody felt a bit mm. disempowered as to how to manage the issues that they were seeing in their kids' lives. And it was it was causing a lot of distraction in the workplace. And I suppose for, for an organization that results in lost productivity, that results in, you know, distract a distracted workforce. So, you know, it's really important that we all sort of start to understand that the online world is a real thing impacting employees in a real way. It's not an invisible problem. So it's something that, you know, it's great that that certain workplaces are starting to support education in this space. Um, I suppose the last one that I think of when I think of together better for a better internet is that I think of schools as well. You know, they're drowning in responsibility and, you know, there's so many things that they're expected to teach kids. And so often, you know, we want to play the blame game. So the parents might say, well, this incident happened between two students that are in the same year at school, therefore it's a school issue. And and we like to kind of pass the buck sometimes and Mm -hmm. uh, it's not really fair. So, you know, schools do the absolute best that they can, uh, but we really all need to to play our part in making, making the internet a safer place for everybody. Totally, couldn't agree more. And like you say, um, you know, we when we have run these sessions, um, you know, the the feedback has been quite phenomenal. From um, like you say, you know, it really is a topic of great interest. Um, yes. You know, particularly for parents of all ages. Um, but I know that some of the people that we've spoken to, when they're moving into those teen years or preteens, it is becomes a particular concern. But having that education and awareness even prior to they get to that. So you can, like you say, you can set some boundaries and be that role model um, before it gets to, um, you know, it can become a bit more challenging. Um, so just really keen um, to get a couple more, you know, some more thoughts on you and land in terms of, you know, when we've spoken before, you're great at providing some really practical examples, but how can we work together to make the online world a bit safer for our kids? 
Look, I think if we're all proactive in our own self-directed learning in some way, shape or form, so, you know, making sure that you have a bit of an understanding about the risks uh, that, exists on, that exist on the internet and, you know, I suppose we see lots of different things in the media, you know, they're often the extreme end of the spectrum, you know, when we see kids that have maybe harmed themselves or, or trolling behaviour or something along those lines, um, you know, it can be really really easy for us to get sucked into the drama and lose our balanced attitude to the online world. And that's something that we really try to do at YSAFE is give people a balanced perspective, practical strategy so that they feel empowered to manage it. You know, for parents, uh, you know, and anyone dealing with kids, you know, I, I say parents, but there's, there's so much, uh, there's such a bigger a circle of people around them. You know, it, it really, really helps them to understand how to, if they have some sort of understanding in terms of how to manage their children's online world, they don't need to be tech savvy. Uh, we're seeing with a lot of people, they feel disempowered because, you know, they're, they're not as tech savvy as their kids. They don't really know how to manage Snapchat or Instagram uh, and they don't need to you know we just need to go back to basics with the same strategies that you use in any other area of your parenting life or or time with kids you know boundaries communication uh, making sure that you are putting rules in place uh, and explaining why those rules are important controlling things that way will will help you manage um, things in the long term. Great, thank you. And um, and what do you think in terms of some of the top risks that we need to be aware of? Um, you know, do you have, do you think parents and children are aware enough of the risks? Um, you know, in that in for for, my, for me, for example, um, I learn a lot from you in the last sort of you know twelve months or so when we've been running these workshops. But do you think we're we're aware enough of the risks and what do you think are some of the sort of key things that parents should be or as you say carers should be aware of yeah look i think people in my experience parents or carers tend to fall into one of two categories they are really across everything and quite scared of the internet and you know are very strict in their approach and then there are people that are quite ambivalent who just think nothing bad will happen to me or my kids often because nothing bad has happened to them as an adult, you know, so their attitudes are based on their experience and so they think their children will never have a bad experience as well. So we need to understand that the way that we interact with technology as adults is sometimes very, very different to the risks that are posed to kids. So if I were to pick, say, two uh, top risks for parents and carers, the number one for me is uh, in-game chat functions or any opportunity where uh, kids are exposed to a conversation with a stranger. That is a really, really big problem for a number of reasons. Uh, but what we do see is any time where kids are able to speak to strangers, you know, adults are very uh, intuitive, they're sophisticated in their language, and they've they've got ways and means to kind of draw kids in when they are unaware that that's actually happening. So, you know, when we're speaking to strangers, we don't know who they are, we don't know what their mo motivations are, and, you know, they can be pretty coercive at times. The other thing is uh, exposure to inappropriate content. So I think, you know, we've seen a lot over the past sort of 18 months uh, with, you know, things like the, the Christchurch shooting, for example, being live streamed mm -hmm. on Facebook. And, you know, it, when it's in real time, we can't prevent kids from being exposed to that sort of content. 
And in fact, that was the number one key concern out of the recent research from the Office of the eSafety Commissioner when it came to parents uh, and, and what they wanted more information on. Uh, you know, it was rated higher than cyberbullying, it rated higher than sharing nude images, things like that. They were concerned about expo- exposure to inappropriate content. So that can include, you know, radical opinions and content. It can relate to pornography, lots of different things. So, you know, if I had to pick two, those would be the ones that I'd, I'd self-educate on as a priority. And that's really interesting when you sort of mentioned there the number one uh, exposure uh, to inappropriate content and what are the some of the strategies or things that parents can think about to to try and limit that then look I think the number one thing depending on on the age of the children of course but if you have say younger kids primary school age uh, uh, up to you know early teens is making sure that you have some kind of parental control tool uh, on the devices that will help filter inappropriate content out uh, in line with the age of the child. So there's a range of different ones out there. Uh, we use one called Family Zone. That's one that we, we support quite a lot as, as a really, really uh, easy-to-use uh, tool. But there's there's so many. So you've got to find which one works for you and, and do your due diligence. But, but having something that's going to do that job for you by filtering content that they might be exposed to in the first place. And then secondly, there is no, you know, replacement for parents being involved in their kids' online lives, knowing what they're actually looking at, uh, checking their search history every now and then, and making sure that if they do come across something that makes them feel upset or has been inappropriate, that they know they can come and talk to you about it. We see so often uh, that kids are hesitant to speak to their parents about, you know, the things that they've seen or something that has upset them because they fear that the parents won't understand and they fear that a response to that uh, and that as a parent feeling, you know, disempowered or not quite knowing what to do, that the response mm. is to take away the device or take away the platform or take away the game and that's not a good outcome for kids, you know, they 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 basically perceive that as a punishment for them coming to actually receive help. So that's a really, really important one. Uh, Knowing where to get some information, if you see something inappropriate, making sure that we're talking to kids about reporting the things that we see uh, as a second step, so making sure that they're they're getting the help they need, but they're also taking steps and measures to prevent other young people from being exposed to the same thing. Great, thank you. Some really good advice there. Um, in terms of, um, you mentioned obviously bullying before, um, and that is obviously a very real reality and a real concern for a lot of families um, at the moment. Mm-hmm. Where can parents go to get help if they feel that their kids are being bullied or are having issues online? Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a range of different resources uh, that parents can go to for help, depending on the severity of the situation as well. So it always starts by having a you know a really good honest chat with their with their kids and finding out what's going on in the background if there is a story happening and and maybe trying to pro- help them problem solve the situation in person. But if you want to get further resources, the Office of the eSafety Commissioner, which is the overarching 
government body when it comes to cyber safety related issues has around, I think it's 300 resources on their website, but they have a very specific parenting portal. So, you know, it'll include things like conversation starters, reporting mechanisms. So, you know, if somebody's targeting someone else, you know how to go onto that platform and actually block that person and report them. There is, of course, the police, but, you know, not every situation, you know, wants or needs to have the police involved, but they're certainly there and they have powers around provisional violence orders and and different legislative aspects that can provide some protection. Uh, Schools are often, you know, a really good place to start as well, having, you know, informal chats with teachers, with year coordinators, with deputy principals or principals about what's actually going on and and working collaboratively to try and, uh, you know, reduce the issues if it's happening between two people, you know, who know each other. Uh, And then for Mm. kids as well, I always really like to suggest the Kids Helpline and eHeadspace mainly because a lot of the time kids, when they're having these sorts of issues, you know, they don't really want to come forward. They they fear that if they talk about something to their parents, sometimes it might get blown out of proportion. You know, parents might, might take things to the extreme. So if they just want to talk to someone, they can call up the kids' helpline. Uh, they can speak anonymously. They'll speak directly to a psychologist Uh, And they can say as much or as little as they actually want to, and they can give really good strategic advice as well. And eHeadspace is an online component of the Headspace organisation where, again, they can speak to someone anonymously and on a platform or on a device that they're comfortable with. So if they don't want to speak to someone on the phone, they can literally have an in-conversation chat on their computers or their their mobile phones. So there's a range of different places that that you can go to uh, for help. That's amazing. And it's great that, you know, a lot of the time we're just not even aware that these resources are available. That's that's fantastic. Um, one more question um, for you, Yasmin, and it's been really great to, to get your feedback on all of this and your insights. What are some of the, um, and again, this is probably quite a hot topic for, for many parents and carers, um, what are some of the practical strategies that they parents or carers can use to get kids off devices when they want them to have a break? Oh, the tech tantrums. We've <laughs> all experienced them. Look, uh, there's a couple of different things that you can do that are often helpful. So, you know, the obvious one is to, is to have countdowns and warnings. If you're going to uh, ask, ask your child to get off a game or off social media or stop watching YouTube or, or Netflix is making sure that we're preparing them. Uh, but also before they actually start watching anything or participating in anything, outlining the boundaries, how much time. Um, I like to be really proactive. So, you know, you can be extreme and get a calendar and, and be proactive about developing certain periods of your week that your kids are allowed screen time. Uh, and then one that I really, really like to to think of when I'm trying to get my kids off, off their devices is to think of some kind of transition activity. So I don't just go in and say, right, it's off, that's it. I try to think of something to divert their attention quickly uh, away from what they're actually doing. And, you know, physical activities are really, really good. So I might say, I need you to walk with me to the shop to get something, to get some, you know, groceries or some bread, or I need you to help mummy sweep up the front yard. You know, my kids are young. It's much harder with, with older kids, but trying to think of some kind of transition activity to quickly divert their attention can sometimes be really, 
really, really helpful as well. Um, for younger kids as, as well, I've, I've had parents tell me that sometimes they use uh, the little um, hourglass. So, you know, they'll, they'll turn that over and kids can reference how much longer they've got you know, to go with the hourglass, but it's a bit of trial and error and, you know, just paying, paying attention to what works for your family because it's, it's not, you know, a one-size-fits-all scenario. But those are things that I like to do. Great. Again, really good practical examples of what we can all do. Um, and as you say, it's all of our responsibility. It isn't just schools or, um, you know, individuals. It's all of our responsibility to think about what we can to do to role model um, how we use the internet and the conversations and the boundaries, etc. So thank mm-hmm. you. My pleasure. Really great practical strategies um, and if anyone is interested in learning more about the work that Yasmin does with her team at YSafe and the work that parents at work do then please reach out to us our details will be on the end of the the podcast thank you Yasmin as always such a delight to talk to you Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure to to come and speak with you and uh, absolutely love the work that we're doing together uh, with you at Parents at Work. Thanks, Yasmin. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to another great podcast proudly brought to you by Parents at Work. We hope you feel inspired and you've got some fresh practical ideas to help you with your work-life balance. If you like what you've heard, please share it with others and subscribe to the Parents at Work podcast page. And remember, if you need extra support, or would like to send us your feedback, please email info at parentsatwork.com.au.